Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. Hello to all you things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you humans as well. Welcome to the show that brings you creepypastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all across the world. This is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 25, Jokes on You. I'm your host and narrator, Ghost Train, telling you to lock your doors, get under your blanket, and keep the lights on. If you'd like to write in and have your email around the show, Email slaughterhousestoriespodcast at gmail.com with creepypasta requests or your own paranormal encounters. Before we get to tonight's first story, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave a review through iTunes and help spread the word to your friends, family, the friendly but see-through child that runs to your walls at night, whomever. Tell them, be a listener, not a victim. Now, let's get spooky. I'm going back to one of my favorite creepypasta authors for tonight's first story. From the mind of Jay Deshen, a story about a little girl named Jamie being visited by her best friend, Brian. Unfortunately for her, he comes bearing bad news about the end of their friendship. But there is more to this story than just two best friends saying goodbye. Find out more as you listen to Brian's Here. Dad, Brian's here, said Jamie, as she banded down the stairs. Oh, really? Her father asked. I didn't hear the bell. She rolled her eyes. You never do. Her father smiled and gave a little chuckle. Well, if Brian's here, he said, then you better let him in. Jamie twisted the knob and pulled the door open. There stood her best friend in the whole world. He was a little boy with golden hair that fell all around his face in little baby curls. Every time she saw his hair, Jamie remembered the gleeful day they met and how she'd mistaken him for a girl. I'm no girl, he exclaimed, and as soon as the confusion had cleared up, they were the best of friends. Jamie nearly yanked Brian into the house. We're going to go upstairs, Dad, she called. Okay, said Jamie's father. Hi, Brian. Nice to see you again. He waved and smiled. Hi, Mr. Davis, Brian said, returning the wave. And with that, they headed up to Jamie's room. Once there, Jamie grabbed her new gaming cards from her dresser and promptly began to lay them out on the floor. She'd been waiting to show them to Brian for a whole week, and now that he was finally here, she could hardly contain herself. Let me show you what I got, she eagerly exclaimed. You're going to love them. Brian sat down across from her, and for the first few minutes of his visit, Jamie was so wrapped up in describing each card that she didn't notice how quiet he had been. What do you think? She asked at the end of her show-and-tell session. That's all pretty great, was Brian's response. It had come with a notable lack of any passion or excitement whatsoever. It was then that Jamie looked up at her friend and noticed that something was wrong. The boy, normally so energetic and connected, sat with his eyes cast down and not so much as a hint of a smile on his face. Brian, she inquired. What's the matter? He hesitated for a moment, 
before taking a deep breath and said, I have to tell you something, Jamie. It's kind of good news, but kind of not. Jamie felt a hot chill run through her whole body. At last, she found her words. What is it? She asked. Brian brought his eyes up to meet hers. I have to leave here, he said. I'm going to go live with my mom soon. The sadness of his announcement hit Jamie hard, and she struggled to keep her composure. Why? She asked. My dad said so, Brian explained. He was upset one day and said, you need to go be with your mom. Jamie tried with all her might to make sense of what she was hearing. Finally, she gave up and asked, Where does she live? Really far away, Brian said. We're probably not going to see each other anymore. But what about on the computer? Jamie asked desperately. No, said Brian. You know I don't have email or Facebook. But you can get them! Brian shook his head. I don't think so. Probably not when I'm with my mom. But, but... Jamie could no longer hold back her tears. But I don't want you to leave. For the first time, Brian began to tear up as well. I know. I don't want to leave either. That's why I've been here for so long. I wanted to stay with you. His voice broke. You're my best friend. Propelled, almost by something beyond themselves. The two children leaped into each other's arms and shared a long embrace. Each held to the other, knowing this was their last chance to do so. When at last they separated, Brian stepped back and smiled weakly at Jamie. You're a good friend, he said. I'll always remember you. Jamie smiled back. You too, she said. It seemed there was nothing left to do but walk Brian to the door, and that's what she did. She waved goodbye to her friend one final time, and he was gone. When Jamie's father heard the door close from where he stood in the kitchen, he had no idea that it closed on his daughter's first significant friendship. He'd always marveled at how fully realized this imaginary friend of hers seemed to be. She would go so far as to let him in and out of the house when he visited. He found it odd, but not wanting to quash his daughter's creativity, he'd even begun to say hello and goodbye to Brian whenever the opportunity presented itself. All the same, he was beginning to wonder when she would grow out of the face. Imaginary friend or ghost, it doesn't matter because Jamie has still lost her best friend. What a heartbreaking moment for her and for a little long-haired ghost too. Ghost Brian is also losing the one thing he loved the most. How sad for both of them, although I feel more sorry for the ghost, but I'm biased. But let's move on from this ghost story to something demonic. Something that will cause you to think twice before leaving the bed to use the bathroom, but it also shows you're not safe in bed either. It's time to find out what's stalking you humans at night. In this story by an unnamed author, good luck sleeping after you listen to In the Dark. It was a frosty night, typical for a winter's night in England. John was laying in his bed, staring into the dark beside him while it slowly ate his fear. John was scared of the dark, even as a child. He always thought when he closed his eyes and reopened them, something would be there, staring at him. Silly, he thought to himself, trying to remind himself that this couldn't be possible, even if the stories he heard tried to trick his mind to think it's possible. 
He chuckled to himself and laid on his back, staring at the ceiling. He thought a short trip to the bathroom may help him fall asleep. John sat up slowly, looking around the pitch black room with his veins filling with fear. He thought to himself, sitting there looking at nothing, would just make less hours of slumber. So he took a deep sigh and eventually stood up. He paused, again staring into the darkness. The cold air made him have goosebumps all over. It made him feel even worse, but he pushed himself and moved slowly to the door. He was tempted to look back, but he thought this would just scare him to pieces. His fear of darkness making him frustrated, taking his sleep away from him. He just wanted it to go away. At last he was at the door, without any other feeling but achievement. He opened the door slowly. The door creaked and echoed through the hallway. Luckily the hallway had a very dim light on, so it took less time to reach the bathroom. He tippy-toed down the hall to the bathroom. He did this quickly, as the light illuminated his fear of darkness. While he did his business, he heard some sort of fast footsteps running down the hall. His heart jumped right out of his chest and slowly he looked behind him. John calmed, as nothing was there. He knew it could probably be the people who lived below him. They party on weekends. Without any worry, he walked back down the hallway into his bedroom, but something was odd. His blankets were off his bed, as if they were pushed off. John tried to stay positive and think it could have been him. As he got out of bed fast, he probably kicked his blanket off. He sighed and slowly walked up to it to pick it up, but he heard something from under his bed, <laughs> some sort of laugh, but it was no normal laugh. It sounded demonic, like it was made backwards. John made a yelp, and without any thinking, jumped into his bed. He grabbed his pillow, holding it tightly, looking to each side of his bed, shivering in fear. How is this possible? This has to be a dream. John shouted to himself, tears streaking from his face. His nightmare had become reality. It was too real for him. Suddenly, the satanic call from under his bed was behind him. Without any thinking, he rushed out of his room, running into his parents' room and slamming the door shut. Mom, Dad, Jesus Christ, what has happened? He paused and stared as his body filled with complete misery and complete depression. His mom and dad were tied together with their own intestines and a devil's pentagram above them, made in blood. John fell to his knees with tears streaming uncontrollably down his face, struggling for air. But then his eyes widened when he heard all the sounds around him mute and was replaced by heavy breathing. He slowly looked over his shoulder and saw what caused his horror. A beast with no nose and no eyes in its sockets. The skin on his body was pale, while the skin sank down to the beast's bones and fresh blood poured from his mouth. Judging how it got past the closed door, it wasn't a natural being. John let out a muffled scream, and the creature took a powerful strike with its claws. Everything then went black. This has been the sixth murder this month. No one knows who or what is responsible for the killings, and the police and many others are trying to catch or kill whatever it is. Many religious people call this creature the Night Demon. <laughs> Well, John, at least you made it to and from the bathroom safely. So at least that's something, right? And at least you didn't have to live with the painful memory of what you saw for too long. And I think we can all agree that noseless, eyeless monsters need to eat too. Am I right? Now that the monsters are fed, it's time for me to give you my recommendation for this week. This week it's nothing from the spooky side. It's a podcast called World's Greatest Con, hosted by the magician, the modern rogue, and the creator of Scam School, Brian Brushwood. 
He has books, multiple YouTube channels, multiple podcasts, a stage show, a store where you can get some of the best things a magician or a modern rogue needs. Now, he has launched this new podcast where he's going through some of the craziest and best cons in history to find out what is the world's greatest con. The first two episodes just dropped, so go to wherever you get your podcasts from and subscribe today. Now that I've given you this week's recommendation, let's take a trip down to open mic night at Bazelpomp. Welcome, fiends, to open mic night at Piazza Pub, where we invite you to sit right here and go into the more poetic side of fear, poems of murder, creatures, and ghosts, all the things that scare you the most. This week to start us off is a traditional folk song from Somerset, arranged by composer Benjamin Britten, about a mother who is going to her son's school but cannot find him, asking around, desperate to find him, is he okay? Or has something happened? And the last poem by M. Lycanthrope about someone who just wants to keep the one they love safe. But they are too in love with their mistress, the sky. Through all the pain, they decide there's only one thing to do to protect the one they love. Allow the verses to take you somewhere far, far away. And enjoy Little Sir William and Dawn Colored Red. Easter Day was a holiday of all days of the year, and all the little schoolfellows went out to play, but Sir William was not there. Mama went to the school wife house and knocked at the ring, saying, Little Sir William, if you were there, pray let your mother in. The school wife opened the door and said, He is not here today. He's with the little schoolfellows out on the green, playing some pretty play. Mama went to the boiling water that is so deep and wide, that is so wide and deep saying, Little Sir William, if you were there, oh pity, your mother's, oh, pity your mother's weep. How can I pity your weep, mother, and I so long in pain, for the little penknife sticks close to my heart, and the school wife hath me slain. Go home, go home, my mother dear, and prepare my winding sheet, for tomorrow morning before eight o'clock, you with my body shall meet, and lay my prayer book at my head, and my grammar at my feet, that all the little schoolfellows as they pass by may read them for my sake. Wake up, my love. Open your eyes and look up, above. Open your eyes wide. The sun is about to rise. Look attentively, my dear. Focus your eyes on the beautifully colored skies. Let's bask in the celestial menagerie of this dawn entwined in each other right here. Promise me, swear upon our love, that you'll never leave my side. My sweetheart, you are turning so cold. Please look me in the eye. I cannot lie. Forgive me, but I cannot maintain my hold. I can no longer allow you to fly. I am fearful for your life when you chase the caressing of the wind. There's no promise of safety in these second-hand wings. I cannot comprehend your airborne dreams. What if you reach too close to the sun and your wings turn undone? How will I live if you end up like Icarus and plunge yourself into the sea? My dear, please listen to me. I'm sorry, but you've ignored me just like you've done before. Why must I live in a perpetual fear? You might die. I cannot handle this feeling anymore. 
I had to find out what made you so in love with your mistress, the distant sky, your ceaseless obsession with the cold touches of the wind. It drove me to my wit's end, gnawed at my mind. It ate away at my mental maze like a ravenous fiend. Finding an answer to your love of this other was the only way I could unwind. I wanted to find. How did she take hold of your mind? How she made you fly? I needed to know what drew you to the sky. I dug deep down inside. I've clawed, searching far and wide. Under your skin, your secret remains hidden, somewhere within. I am unable to understand why with the heavens, you are so smitten. Are you listening to me, my love? You haven't uttered a sound. Please forgive my distrust. While we witness the rise of the sun, my dear, you become awfully cold. I can't help but smile, knowing you'll never ascend again from the ground. I will remain at your side. I promise I'll never be gone. Look, my love. Night is giving way to a dawn-colored red, the same crimson color as your barely beating heart, whose tears have created stark contrast while staining my hand. Little William's poor mother has the greatest pain coming her way. A pain like your heart being ripped out. Which is exactly what happened in the other poem. The obsession with the sky ended and someone literally having their heart stolen. I guess you can't fly without a heart, so whatever works. Anyway, let's head out from the pump and get you back home so we can take a trip to the fun house. This month in the funhouse, we find ourselves at a summer camp, but there isn't a hockey mask wearing psycho waiting for us. Instead, there's a psycho in clown paint waiting for us. Much better, right? Well, no. Listen as this demonic hell clown focuses on one camp counselor and the countdown that's begun. Settle in for this story by Dark the Raven and maybe reconsider taking that job as a camp counselor after you listen to Jokes on You. Just another day in the life of a summer camp counselor. Do your activities, break, eat, and another activity. Nothing could go wrong today, you think to yourself, as you return to your cabin for your 30-minute downtime. As you walk into your pitch-black cabin, you hear snickering in the back of the room. You walk over and say, Alright guys, joke's over. Simply expecting it to be a few of the campers trying to scare you. Suddenly, you're grabbed from behind and hear a horrible almost demonic voice saying to your ear, The joke is only over when I say so. I'll be seeing you soon. As you feel the grip loosen, you spin on your heel to try to identify your attacker. All you manage to see is a door now ajar, and what you could have sworn to be a clown suit. But that's not possible. No human could run that fast. While this thought goes through your head, the rest of your cabin enters, discussing the events that occurred during their last activity. You are reluctant to tell them what you saw. You wait out the rest of your break. As you close the door, your eye catches something out the back window, and your fears are confirmed. 
Standing in the window is a man in a clown suit, with yellow and white stripes, holding up all five of his fingers. The next day, you were terrified of being alone. You always stayed with the group, thinking it would keep you safe. It did, until your 2pm archery class. As you were demonstrating how to properly wield the bow, that's when you noticed him appear out of thin air. This time, holding up four fingers, and carrying with him a wickedly sharp sickle, you shot an arrow straight at his face. Then he just disappears, just as he showed up. He was gone just as fast. Well, man, what was that? Your assistant counselor appears genuinely worried about you. You didn't see it. You stared at him dumbfounded. I didn't see anything, man. You know you're not supposed to be shooting at the wildlife. He starts to ease up a little as you seem to be fine. This thing was far from wildlife. You mutter to yourself as you walk away. In fact, it hardly seems human. Two days since your first encounter with this hell clown, as you become accustomed to calling it, it haunts your dreams. It has burrowed its way into your mind. You see it around every corner. Each time he has some new unspeakable horror. Yesterday, after the incident at the archery range, you went to the cabin to get your glasses, and he was there, painted in a dark, flowing red substance. At last, your fears begin to subside, as the sunlight washes into your skin and lightens up your mind. That's when you hear it. The rustling sound he seems to make whenever he appears. You turn slowly, praying to whatever god exists that was just your imagination. Of course, you aren't that lucky. You have to search to see it, but eventually you find it. Standing right behind one of your cabin members, sickle in hand. You remember that the camper's name is Stanley, an odd name for the current generation. But he was a good kid. Again, the clown was holding up one less finger than the day before, making the remaining amount of fingers three. What the hell is he counting down to? You say in a low voice. Slowly, he raises the arm with the sickle on it and accustoms himself to its grip. When you realize what he's doing, all your fears flee your mind. You rush him, shouting at Stanley to move. You'd be damned if you're going to let this demon kill him. As Stanley jumped from where he was sitting, the hell clown disappeared. Sickle falling to the ground. Then there was this cracking sound, which split the air like thunder and the biggest branch you've ever seen falls from the tree, crushing the spot where Stanley had been sitting just moments before. Whoa, too close. Thanks for saving my life, the skinny boy said. Think nothing of it, you reply solemnly, but in your head, you couldn't help but think the clown was trying to hint at something. Two days left. You faked being sick so you could put your thoughts together, and you also want to have a chat with this demon. You've noticed that he always comes when your fear is fading, to refresh the fact of his existence to your mind. Then he'd vanish the moment fear was gone. Any emotion replaces it, and he vanishes. Wait, could that be it? Does he feed off fear? That's why he appears when my fear fades. If it continues like this, I'm a near infinite source of fear. That has to be it. I... You hear the door slowly creak open. You get up from your bed and face the demon. I've been waiting for you. You say in the deadliest tone you could form. He stands there, smiling ear to ear, as if he were anticipating what you'd say next. You feed off my fear, don't you? And hearing this, he starts to laugh like a maniac, and holds up two fingers, again blinking out of existence. Today was the demon's final finger, but he hadn't appeared all day. Somehow, that scared you more than if he jumped out in front of you and chopped someone's head off. Stanley hadn't been seen since after lunch. Wait, the clown is a different thing each day. You dropped everything in your hands, 
How hadn't you noticed? The first day he appeared at 1pm, the time of the murder. Second day he was seen with a sickle, the murder weapon. Day three he had been standing beside Stanley, the murder victim. Day four he had been seen at the cabin, the location of the murder. Every day he had shown you a different detail of what he was going to commit, seeing if you could figure it out. You sprinted down the path to try and make it to the cabin. You checked your watch. It read 12.56 in the afternoon. If you run, you might make it. As you reach the cabin, you know you're too late. The windows are smashed. Doors ajar. Obvious signs of a struggle. As you walk in, you see the demon, dropping the sickle, beside his finished work of murder. It clearly hadn't been a quick death. A single stab went through his back and his stomach. He must have been there for a while. He shouldn't have bled out that fast. As you stand over the body, the demon walks over and pushes you into the puddle of blood surrounding the body. Rage flows through you. You spin and intend to destroy whatever this thing has for a soul, grabbing the sickle. On your way up, you hear the satisfying sound of metal piercing skull. You open your eyes, and instead of seeing the hell clown, and instead of seeing the hell clown, and instead of seeing the hell clown, you see your assistant counselor. The last words you hear, the last words you heard as you black out, was that of the demon. Joke's on you. The Hell Clown finished his victim anyway and managed to frame the poor, poor human and trick him into murder. You humans, you really never learn, do you? Hopefully this clown shows up and ruins the life of another fleshbag really, really soon. Until then, go over to Twitter and follow me at iced underscore demon and let's discuss all things spooky. Now, I believe there's enough scares for this week. I hope you'll join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories I had for you tonight. And until next time... Stay spooky.